invite you all to stand and turn in your Sing the Journeys to song number two. Come walk with us. We will be singing the first three verses and then we will end by singing the chorus again. Come walk with us today, tomorrow, and in the weeks and months ahead as we together walk the journey of faith. Welcome to chapel. My name is Bob Yoder, one of the campus pastors. Each semester in our chapel schedule, we invite several faculty or staff to share a portion of their faith journey with us. Today we will hear from Tamara Schantz, uh, our new assistant campus minister. And later in the service, we'll have opportunity to bless Tamara as she begins her service here at Goshen College. In the next 25 minutes, we will be led through some songs, some scripture passages that have particularly been important to Tamara in her faith journey. Before we continue our service, however, I want to acknowledge some special, special guests that we have here on campus. Today in Union Building following chapel, uh, following chapel until about noon, there will be pastors and church representatives from 15 local churches who are anxious to meet you and talk with you and share a bit about their church, what they might have to offer for you, and uh, ways that you might be able to connect into their faith communities. I very much believe that it is vital for us as staff and faculty and students to be connected to a local church while we're here at Goshen College. Sometimes we can feel like this enclave here on campus in the heart of we're in the south side of Goshen City, but it's also important to have a faith community around us to walk with us. So these folks will be in Union Building following chapel. And if there are any pastors or church representatives here now, I would invite you to stand and let's welcome you. Stand up. There's some there in the back over here. Welcome to our community here at Goshen College. 
Let us pray. God of the Bible, God who journeys with us in our ever-developing faith and life, may your spirit continue to be among us in this chapel. Amen. Isaiah 43, 1-4. But now thus says the Lord, who created you, O Jacob, who formed you, O Israel. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. I give Egypt as your ransom and Ethiopia and Seba in exchange for you, because you are precious in my sight and honored, and I love you. Good morning. When I sat down to start preparing my faith story for this morning, I discovered that it was a more difficult task than I thought it might be. I was struggling with where to start, so I've decided to take a very simple approach and start with where I'm from and my early experiences as a Christian and as a member of the Mennonite Church. I come from the village of St. Jacob's in the heart of Waterloo County, southwestern Ontario, Canada. And like Goshen, there are plenty of Mennonites in Waterloo County, so I grew up with relatively few experiences of being in the minority. And like many Mennonite teenagers, when I hit around age 15 or 16, I started taking faith exploration classes at church and began thinking about being baptized. But come the end of those classes, I decided I wasn't ready. I had missed a number of Sundays and somehow I thought that mattered. But at the heart of my hesitation was a sense that I didn't know enough 
to get baptized. I didn't have all the right answers. In fact, I wasn't sure I had many answers at all to the big questions of faith. So could I really stand up in front of my church and confess to faith in Jesus Christ if I still had questions? And at the time, I didn't think so. So thankfully, one of my pastors helped me understand that baptism isn't about having it all figured out. That it's really a commitment to a journey, a starting point. So I ended up being baptized a couple of years later, but it has taken me almost 10 years to understand how deeply this need to be right, to have it all figured out, the free grace and love that God extends to each one of us through Jesus Christ. Mennonite theology has traditionally placed a pretty strong emphasis upon the active aspect of faith. As the book of James put it, without works, faith is dead. But I think that in my experience, I came to understand this Mennonite emphasis on right living as being what faith was entirely about. Now, don't get me wrong, I firmly believe that we are called to love our neighbor just as we love God. But I thought that I had to somehow have the right life, the right set of beliefs, and somehow then I would be close to God and be a good Christian that somehow I had to be right in order to be accepted by God. And I've slowly come to realize, truly realize, that God's grace comes to us as a gift that requires no labor on our part, that this grace slowly, slowly is filtering its way into my life. And I have no idea why it has taken me this long to figure this out. I mean, I've heard the message over and over again, but the last three years, as I was working on my Master of Divinity degree, I lived with, studied with, and worshipped with students from all branches of the Christian Church. And my Lutheran friends in particular helped to remind me that faith isn't work. Faith is not something I can accomplish. Faith is not something that I can fail at. For faith comes from God as a gift. And this is a lesson I'm still learning and I expect it will probably be a lifelong journey. And I'm learning that I need to be reminded over and over again that I am loved by God, whether I do or believe all the right things. So now you know my first weakness, my deep need to be right. And while it's hardly fair that you get to know two of my weaknesses this morning, I'm going to go ahead and share a second one with you as well. For something that many people don't know about me is that I am a complete and utter scaredy cat. If I think of the most persistent and annoying thing, obstacle in my life, it has to be fear. I've been afraid of a lot of things. As a child, I was extremely shy. I hated camp, performing at the piano, or singing in front of people, anything like this, was worthy of nervous shaking and sweaty palms. And while I have grown a lot over the years and moved past a lot of smaller fears, that pit in the stomach, that tightness in the chest, the all-consuming sense of doom still comes over me in times of big change, and usually big opportunity. So in university, I created for myself a little personal motto. If it's not scary, it's not worth doing. So I've decided that God is in the fear. While I by all means need God's help to work through my fearful condition, 
I don't think fear is necessarily all bad. I now consider fear a signal of good opportunity. I say to myself, oh, Tamara's afraid. Good sign. And then I sign on to whatever it is that is completely petrifying me. Perverse? But so far, it served me well. When I was finishing my third year at the University of Waterloo, the chaplain at Connor Grable College called me up and asked if I would be interested in serving his church as a part-time youth pastor. His church was in a bind and needed someone quick to step in and teach weekly Sunday school classes and plan weekly youth events. Now, I have no idea why I said yes. I didn't have the motto yet at that point. And I almost felt sick when I hung up the phone. The interview went well, and soon I was in the office 20 hours a week while being a full-time student and working on my undergraduate thesis. But I believe that God's call was stronger than my fear. And I know that without God's grace, I would never have survived that year. Youth groups are seriously intimidating. I do not ever want to repeat the experience of walking into that Sunday school room for the first time. But I survived, and I was blessed by that experience in many ways. The passage that was read earlier, Isaiah 43, can be a powerful verse for anyone who struggles with fear and anxiety. Do not fear, for I have called you by name. When you pass through fire, you shall not be burned, you shall not be consumed. But I didn't discover this verse through the more typical journeys of the young adult. I discovered the comfort and consolation of this scripture after my father was diagnosed with an inoperable brain tumor almost five years ago. That was the same year I started as a youth pastor and was finishing up my undergrad studies. It was quite the year. But I will never forget the day that one of our pastors came into the hospital after my father had received his diagnosis and he read to us from Isaiah, Isaiah 43. Now scripture had always been a part of my life, but never had the Bible spoken so directly into my life before. Our pastor read my father's name into the passage and suddenly this ancient text was speaking directly to my family. My father did die five months later but there were moments of grace scattered throughout that experience. God came to us through our church community, visitors in the hospital, sunsets outside the hospital window, the surprising number of people at the funeral, the singing that surrounded us and held us close, both in the hospital and at the funeral. To be honest, this experience brought a depth of spiritual questioning that is probably not typical for a 23-year-old. But it also brought me to a place where I knew God's love and I knew God's grace in a radically more profound way.
now John 1, 1 to 5, 14 to 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. And the Word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, this, is, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks ahead of me because he was before me. From this fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is only God, the Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. So far, my sharing has largely focused on myself and on my family and how these experiences have shaped my understanding of God. But my story would be incomplete without looking at the world beyond myself and my immediate community. I've experienced God's call in my life in a variety of ways, one of those being my chaplain encouraging me to serve as the youth pastor at his church. But another came when I was in my second year of university and spent a semester in Ghana, West Africa. My primary mentors there were the two directors of the small peace building organization I worked for. After a number of months working there, I came away with a clear sense that God was not calling me to work overseas. My mentors were from different regions of Africa, but had the same message for me. Stay at home. They were working hard to equip Africans to do the restorative work that many regions of Africa need so badly. But their hope for me was that I would take what I learned during my time in Ghana and help work at changing North American society. Help work at removing the root causes of injustice in Africa that can be traced to this continent. Now this is not to say that there isn't a lot of good work to be done overseas, but through the voices of Samuel Doe and Emmanuel Bambande, I heard God's call to stay at home and help with the hard work of change here. Now what that means is something I'm still figuring out, but after I returned from Africa, I found that many days as I became more and more exposed to the injustices of the world, I would sit at my desk in front of my research, in front of my studies, and just feel the weight of all the suffering in the world. I'm an environmentalist. I love the earth. I feel closest to God when surrounded by trees, water, and rocks. The natural world feeds and nourishes my spirit. And yet, I am completely embroiled in a culture and society that succeeds in damaging this planet I love with almost every daily task I engage in. And over the past couple of years, I have become involved with a group of students focusing on nonviolent activism trying to engage our school community in advocacy, and specifically protesting the existence of the prison at Guantanamo Bay, and participating in the movement to close the School of Americas. For preaching class last year, I wrote a sermon based on a massacre that took place in El Salvador almost 20 years ago, and was carried out by soldiers trained at the School of Americas. After reading accounts of that horrific day, after weeping, 
My soul still ached with the terror and despair of it all. And it is so easy when we are engaged with the world, when we look at the world with eyes of compassion and of love, it is so easy to fall victim to despair. And I have cer certainly come close at times. But it is into this place of despair and injustice that I've come to appreciate the power and wonder of the tale of God incarnate. The story of a God who come, chose to come and join this broken world and struggle with this human race in the form of Jesus. The power of the cross for me comes in God's identity with those who suffer, who are persecuted for righteousness sake or perhaps for no good reason at all. This is the place where Jesus walked. Jesus walked that road of persecution and that road was overcome in the resurrection. So I continually seek to root my faith in this hope, in this hope that God's love is mightier than not only my personal fears and anxieties, greater than my own failures and neglects, but ultimately is stronger than even the most corrupt system. I believe that God's love can transform my own spirit, but I also believe that God's love has the power to transform the entirety of this world and that we are each called to take part in this new creation. Kierkegaard once wrote the following, if I were to wish for anything, I should not wish for wealth and power, but for the passionate sense of the potential. For the eye, which ever young and ardent, sees the possible. I know that God sees the possible. Sees the possible in each one of you, sees the possible for this community, and sees the possible for this world. It's my prayer for myself and for all of you that we will be able to share in God's possibilities. Amen. I invite you all to stand and 
for Tamara to come forward as we say a prayer of blessing for Tamara as she begins her work in ministry here at Goshen College. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for Tamara and her willingness to serve on the Goshen College campus, for her humbleness to grow and learn, we thank you for her kind and open mind and for her compassion for all people. Tamara, we thank God for you. We pray that God continues to work in your life. We pray that Jesus will walk with you in the joyful and trying times. We pray that the Holy Spirit may ever be present with you. We pray that as a campus community, we can love and support you as you learn, grow, stumble, rise, and continue to stand. Tamara, we give you our blessing. Amen. You can remain standing for our song. Turn in your signature to song number 27, God of the Bible. We'll be singing verses 1 and 5. Reminder that church, churches and pastors will be available to meet with you in the union for the next couple hours. And please take your Sing the Journey out with you and place it on the tables in the back. Now may the God of possibilities fill your lives with hope, wonder, and love. Amen. Go in peace.